welcome back to the voices of humanity podcast today is a really special episode and this episode will be a new experience because we are shooting from different angles but all that apart i have a wonderful guest with me here my friend and my senior moshmi roy welcome to the podcast mosh thank you so much shitesh yeah. for having me so to to just give a short introduction about her she is a fourth year clerk fourth year medical student and then she is an osmosis medical education fellow and she is one of the rank holders while she was doing second year of medicine so we are so glad to have you here and i'm really ho- looking forward for this conversation me too shit yeah so just as an icebreaker i do in i do this in most of my podcast episodes i wanted to start with icebreak uh, a rapid fire round okay so i'll ask you 10 questions mm-hmm. whatever comes to your mind immediately you have to answer wow. okay <laughs> these are not going to be subject related questions or any such oh, just general ones okay yeah. so the first question which one do you like more anatomy or physiology physiology okay second which was the most difficult subject according to you like in the 3 years of your pharmacology pharmacology okay would you prefer self study or group study self study okay late nights or early mornings late nights okay what was one thing that made you feel wow med school is awesome uh being able to help a patient in the hospital okay okay how do you generally spend your vacations i like to paint paint wow okay so what's your favorite medical drama or series if any house md okay okay what would you do if you were not into med school by now i would be a criminal journalist wow that was specific okay okay would you prefer being a physician or a surgeon physician okay which year of med school was the best till now fourth year current it's the best okay so all those were very interesting answers we'll get back to each one of the each one of them but to begin with i wanted to ask you why did you choose medicine in the first place hmm now either i can give you a very hackneyed and old answer to help people obviously that's our inherent cause that we want to help people but it's genuinely to address my curiosity because i have always been a why child so when you're telling me this can go wrong with the human body why okay this is what is right with the human body why so i had so many questions about human body and diseases and how like a general question why haven't they cured cancer yet hmm. so to basically understand what is cancer or any disease at all that is the reason i went into medicine to put it in one sentence to get answers to my curiosity wow okay so just before we started the podcast we were having a small conversation right and then you told me there was an incident during your school which made you more interested towards science so would you add more to that and explain what happened actually yes of course i'd love to so uh, we used to have something called science paper presentations where we would be given topics such as uh, xenotransplantation or even something as simple as uh, why do we love chocolate okay. okay and we had to find out the science behind that students would work in pairs create a presentation and present it to a panel of judges and to the whole school and we would be judged based on that so one day i was just pushed by one of my class teachers that no more you are a good student you should go for it and i went for it and i still remember the topic was solar spots okay so i always i would participate in those competitions every single year but i didn't realize the essential skills it was giving me 
first of all it developed an interest for research and that's something you use in med school whether yes. it's your first year you get to do a research in physiology yes. in your second year you get to do a pharmacology research then later on you can collaborate with your professors and your friends and uh, you know like conduct many other researches okay and so that was one thing secondly it is the confidence to speak in public so in the hospital we do something called endorsements in the fourth year where you have to take a patient okay. and you have to uh, do their history physical examination follow up on their reports and then in the morning in front of uh, a whole panel of residents consultants interns you will have to endorse the case okay. and that is something i learned how to do back in school when i was learning how to give a very simple mm -hmm. presentation on solar spots to just my friends so in fact like in your first year itself if you put yourself out there even like volunteer for a class mm -hmm. presentation then you may not know it but it's sort of preparing you for your fourth year so it it really helped you with what you're doing right now so and okay so can i assume that that was one of the incidents that made you more interested towards going to medicine yes okay yes it did okay so yeah now to the academics part see three years of med school i know how crazy it is and and i know, and i know how theoretical it is right the starting three years and only after fourth year we get to see the practical part of it so how did you handle that much theory those many books how did you handle the academic part what was your mindset like how did you plan how did you study yeah the first part of first year was just asking everybody from my friends to my seniors how do i do this how do i do that how do i do this oh my god i remember the first time i had an exam and i had to open boron and i was doing the first chapter oh my god there was no way <laughs> no way i was going to get through those 10 15 pages because it was so comprehensive first three years it's a lot of information overload but the thing is you have to understand to get your basics right you have to get your basics right because if you haven't studied physiology if you don't understand biochemistry you are going to study in pharma you are going to struggle in pharmacology yeah. you will struggle when it comes to patho because your basics are not clear and then let's say i want to in my second year i want to spend time studying the mechanism of action of a drug but i will not understand it because i don't know how the whole physiology works i do not know what transportation is okay i don't know what transcellular is i don't mm. know what paracellular is so how am i supposed to understand that so the first 3 years really really focus the first first year is basically you have to know what is normal with the body second year you get to know what is abnormal with the body and third year is how do i treat what's abnormal in mm. the body okay. so if you can categorize all of this in the brain and you know tell yourself like obviously emphasize on the fact that on getting your basics right on your basics right you will you will do a great great job okay yeah so now i just finished my first year mm -hmm. okay congratulations and thank you and a lot of the viewers who will be uh, watching this podcast or listening to this they will also be medical students mm -hmm. and many of them first years i would assume 
So what would your advice be for them to have the transition from studying something that is normal and to study something that's abnormal? What would your advice be? Okay. Let me tell you a simple thing. If you don't know what's normal, you will not know what is abnormal. Because this was something we were told. If you go to a hospital and then you see that a patient has come in and the patient's, let's say the chest is completely out. Okay. It looks like a pigeon's chest. And to you, you'll be like, huh, okay, this is normal. But if had you studied anatomy or had you just, you know, read it a little bit, then you know that is not normal. That is not what your ribs are supposed to look like. Okay. So until and unless you know what is normal, you will not know what is abnormal. So to do that transition, like I said, please, please focus on your basics. And in fact, when you are studying anatomy, okay, I tell this to all of my juniors, please remember to study clinical correlations. Mm. In fact, you will learn better. Okay. If you're going to, let's say, read about the femur, okay? Also read about what happens if I injure the head of the femur. It will help you build skills for your second year, mm. okay? That, okay, this is the artery that is supplying this region. This is the nerve that is innervating this region. So somehow if I injure this part, okay, I can treat it like this. This is the sensation the patient is going to lose. Mm. So in your first year, whether it is physiology or anatomy, please study clinical correlates. Do not leave out the abnormal part just for your second year. Okay. If you are studying, let's say, abnormalities of the bones, you know what a dashboard injury is. Okay. So study a dashboard injury and then see how you can correlate the anatomy to a dash dashboard injury. In fact, in the first year, my friends and I, we would make these flashcards of just the abnormal. Okay. And then we would correlate it with the normal. Okay. And we use those flashcards till date in the fourth year. Because we learned how to correlate the normal and abnormal in the first year itself. First year with a little bit more focus on the normal and second year more focus on the abnormal. Okay. Yeah. So first year to second year shift is done. Now, there might be people who are watching and who are shifting from second to third. Mm -hmm. So, what was that shift like for you and what uh, is a piece of advice you would give them? Okay. So, one of the major shifts in second to third year is, it was, I think, ASM. Because in the second year, you start learning about ASM and then in third year, you have all these major subjects like pediatrics. Okay, like on our first day of pediatrics, we were told that, oh, a child is not just a tiny adult. Please don't treat them like a tiny adult. It's now you have to get out of your books. This is where you close your book and realize that, okay, this is not just another question in my paper. Okay, this is an actual person I'm going to treat. Now you have to correlate the whole humanity aspect, okay, the whole emotional aspect along with what you have been studying mm -hmm. so third year is the time in fact from first year itself but third year is the time you start working on your interpersonal skills like your communication skills because in third year that's where I found that I was fumbling because I'm talking to a lot of my friends and we are practicing history taking mm -hmm. and I'm asking them you know simple questions that oh did you have uh, any case of hematemesis and they will be like no but if I was to ask this to my mother hmm. or to any random patient, they don't know what these terms are. Hmm. So in your third year, you have it's finally time to learn how to talk to 
to patients and you can do this just by starting to talk to your non-medical friends okay. you know tell them you know it's okay you can be annoying <laughs> tell them that you know what today i'm going to take your history okay <laughs> today you are a child or you are the mother of a child who has pneumonia and i'm going to ask you questions it's fun and that's how you improve your skills so <laughs> from your second to third year you start working on these skills okay and from the previous conversations we had mm-hmm. like we all were the people affected due to covid right yes. and especially you guys your batch you were affected in second year the entire second year you had to spend it online so describe how hard it was and how what did you do to get out of it and like what are the lessons you learned from just being a medical student during a pandemic like the most difficult part is in in medicine medicine is one of the few professions where you need a lot a lot of practical knowledge mm-hmm. so in your second year we in our second year we missed out on a lot of uh, labs such as our uh, clinpath labs venipuncture so things that are like how to do a dengue assay so all of these things are taught in the second year but mm-hmm. we obviously our professors did such a good job taking time and you know teaching us every single concept over zoom but it's still not the same as performing mm-hmm. it in fact in second year is when you learn your arts and science of medicine so you have to do your physical examination now we learned how to do that on our friends on teddy bears but learning how to do the physical examination on an actual simulated dummy or on an actual patient will teach you so so much more because that's how you know okay this is where the point of maximal impulse is okay this is what pectus pectus carinatum looks like in a mm. in a person so we were affected mainly in the practical knowledge plus so what we had to do to overcome that to answer the second mm. part of your question was to put in twice the effort during our hospital rotations okay we would have to go to our preceptors who were more than happy to teach us and cover the basics all over again hmm. that okay this is how you do that okay we learned how to do our venipuncture quite later than you're supposed hmm. to learn okay. or how to resuscitate a child or an adult all of these skills we learned later but it's okay we haven't missed out on anything we learned it a little late but we've learned it okay cool so part of the academics are exams right yes yeah and we have a lot of exams tons and tons of exams especially here right so okay i should not be asking this question have you <laughs> failed in any exam oh yes i have okay oh okay God. so so what did you do to overcome that i know it feels even i failed in neuroanatomy labs i felt so bad after the exam because i hate to see the red uh, letters there right i feel bad like i feel bad the entire day what did you do to overcome it and like how did you what was your analysis okay so this is something i've never spoken about publicly but mm-hmm. i feel like everybody should mm-hmm. get to know because now you will know that you're not alone something that i failed most consistently was in my first year anatomy lab okay okay i because we would get these pictures or we used to have these moving exams mm-hmm. where you have a tiny flag on uh, one of the organs a nerve or an artery and you had like 30 seconds there were we have great amazing brilliant students oh this is the tricuspid valve oh <laughs> and i'm i'm just struggling to find if this is am i looking at the 
you know right atrium what am i is that the ventricle it was that major mm. okay i have failed so many exams somehow at that point i was questioning if i have a problem because words were interchangeable in my head okay i used to write, write sacro lumbar instead of lumbo sacral okay. and i used to come and tell my friends that so what helped me is obviously i was very sad mm-hmm. i would everybody would come oh mm. it was so easy <laughs> i got 90 i got 95 and here i'm like oh i got 71 72 but what helped me was being vocal about it to my friends okay. make sure you have a good good group of friends okay who don't judge you for everything so the first thing i did is tell them that guys i'm really really struggling mm-hmm. and what they did is next time we had anatomy lab they would stand with me and ask me i think what was making me fail my exam was being nervous because we know everything we've mm-hmm. studied everything but there's a very short period of time or you're nervous or your imposter syndrome is kicking in during your exam so it's just making you forget every single thing but what we can do is stimulate the exam environment okay then my friends would like okay mosh what is this mm-hmm. what is this artery what is this valve okay what nerve is innervating this muscle okay so that point group study really really helped okay, me that, that was something amazing because really really know when to ask for help do not i know pride is such a it's an important thing it's not something that you should not have but really really know when to ask for help just that's that's what's going to get you through your difficulty so when we had the rapid fire round you chose self study at that time right yes, yes. now group study so so would you agree that it depends yes. like it depends on the situation yes. and it depends on what we have as a challenge in front of us yes. Okay so now you are in fourth year you're being a clerk and what is the best experience till now i think you've been a clerk for the past 4 or 5 months i guess yes. yeah so what's the best experience you had till now and which made you feel wow it's it's more fun it's like okay i didn't i didn't i didn't know that this medicine was this fun so what was that point the point was it happened pretty recently in november Uh, right now it's it's still i know i'm in fourth year okay mm. if you're, you're all like first year second mm. year i don't know how real it is for you guys that you're okay. going to be doctors in fourth year uh, in your fifth mm. year or whenever but uh to me still at that point i i was like oh i'm graduating in a mm. year you still somehow you know feel like oh i'm i'm not i'm going to be a doctor but you know you don't feel like mm-hmm. it but now uh, i was rotating in the brokenshire uh, internal medicine department okay. and um there's something uh, i don't know if everybody's aware but there's something called code blue okay yeah. so code blue is as soon as they announce code blue on the intercom systems everybody who's in the vicinity from interns clerks residents consultants have to um run to that area that patient okay. is in uh, respiratory distress and okay. then you have to resuscitate okay so you will have to do cardiopulmonary resuscitation So um I learned CPR from some of my preceptors we are taught this in uh, college and some of the residents taught us that time also but usually what happens when there's a code blue it's that the residents or the interns are doing it and we are just clerks and we're pretty much awestruck with the whole procedure mm. you know there's one thing reading about it and then there's one thing there's a person fighting to stay alive but this day 
I was sitting and doing some paperwork when I when there was a code blue. We were uh, in your fourth year. You're asked to monitor a patient. Okay. So and you have to write their SOAP every single day. Okay. So that was my patient. That patient was in room three zero nine or something in general, uh, in the general ward, and um, I was writing that patient's SOAP, and that patient had uh, pneumonia. Okay. okay. Um, high risk pneumonia, and I was just writing okay this is what these are the tests we did today these are the medications we've changed and suddenly there's an announcement code blue okay code blue room 309 i was like this this is my patient and mm. i had to leave everything and and run and there nobody had arrived yet because i was just like just like near the room so i put on gloves and there was nobody and then there were there was a nurse there and the nurse said uh, doc please start cpr one mm-hmm. of the beautiful things about being in in the hospital is that even though i'm not a doctor yet but mm-hmm. then you know the clerks and everybody like they still call you doctor so i had to run and start cpr on my patient mm-hmm. so like there was one person before me one doctor and then after that i took over okay. like the doctor told me like to straighten my elbows and at that point it's a all hands on deck situation mm-hmm. everybody is doing something or the other somebody is getting ready to intubate somebody is mm-hmm. ambo bagging the mm-hmm. nurses are pre- preparing the epi and at that point i have forgotten everything that i'm nervous mm-hmm. every bit of energy that i had i was using to resuscitate my mm-hmm. patient nothing okay. mattered to me okay. not no knowledge no mm-hmm. nothing or the mm-hmm. fact that i'm doing this mm-hmm. So halfway through, like almost one minute thirty seconds into resuscitating the patient, uh, we finally saw a change in the ECG, mm. and the patient was stable. And uh, when I I got off the bed because one of my knees was on the patient, mm. so that I had I could perform the CPR better, and the doc said one of the residents said, "Good job, doc. You can stop now." Mm. And I think that just changed everything. everything became way way too real mm-hmm. that you know i'm not doing this for the mm-hmm. accolades mm-hmm. i'm not doing this for the money mm-hmm. i have helped bring somebody back from the jaws of death mm-hmm. and no amount of money no amount of praise or medals can take that feeling away from you i'm literally having goosebumps <laughs> right now <laughs> i did too at yeah. that point yeah so that that was my experience wow wow So I can't wait to go to fourth year. <laughs> okay, okay. So we've discussed about first year, second year, third year, and your fourth year. Yes. Now I want to ask you something rela- uh, regarded to your uh, osmosis. So yes. you are part of osmosis, and you are an osmosis medical education fellow. Yes. So can you explain to us what it's about and what do you do through that? Okay. So Osmosis is a medical uh, education platform online. Mm-hmm. It was uh, created by uh, two students from mm-hmm. Johns Hopkins, uh, Shivka Glani and Ryan Haynes, who decided that you know the kind of help that you get in school from your professors, uh, that's the same kind of help students should get outside college. Mm-hmm. And you tell me, tell me if you agree with this. You okay. learn better if a friend is teaching you. Yes. Yes, yes exactly yes. and that's what osmosis wanted okay. to do okay. they wanted it to be like okay it's not just another lecture but this hmm. is a friend teaching you a topic hmm. okay. so that's what osmosis is so yeah. uh, what i do is i'm an education fellow so hmm. i represent 
osmosis in DMSF and DMSF in osmosis. There are two, three other fellows also in college. What we do is help promote the education material Mm -hmm. and we introduce students to the osmosis platform. At osmosis, we participate in surveys. We do projects related to diversity, equity, inclusion. And uh, we team up with this large network of students all around the world to create content, you know, and we have all these challenges. And uh, yeah, basically we have my job like our job hmm. is to em- empower the world's clinicians. Okay. That's what I do. Wow. Okay. You are in osmosis and you are obviously a fourth year clerk and then you are in the journal club of a school. And then when I looked at your LinkedIn profile, you were in a diff- lot of different things. <laughs> okay. So how do you manage this? How do you manage all of this? I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure like there would have been moments in which you would have felt frustrated and saturated so how do you manage and how do you overcome that feel of saturation? I've given up on sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, jokes apart. Um, I think it was mainly during the pandemic when I realized that the whole craze with CV mm-hmm. because I was uh, on LinkedIn or I was mm-hmm. talking to my friends and I see students. It's different for students who are mm-hmm. not doing medicine. Like mm-hmm. if, if I talk to my friends right now, they're working, they've bought mm-hmm. their cars, they've, mm-hmm. they've made down payments on their first houses and here I'm still trying to memorize Krebs cycle. <laughs> so, so that's when I was like, okay, I need to, it's something every student should do. Please branch out. Medicine is not just all studying. You have to network. You have to get other skills also, such as in research, mm-hmm. okay? And if you're good at writing, if you're good at illustrations. So I wanted to work on that part of myself as well as build my CV. It's extremely essential for students our age to like start building CV mm-hmm. because, you know, obviously. So um, that's when I started doing all of this. Yes, it does get overwhelming. I wouldn't say I stick to a, I stick to a very particular schedule. Mm-hmm. But a very rough plan okay. works. Okay. But what was happening is I realized that I was... Sometimes what would happen is one part of what I'm doing is lacking. Whether it's it's my journal club or okay. whether it is, um, you know, my studies and all. Hmm. So what I would do is... Um, I don't know if you've read a book. It's called How to Eat Your Frog. It's for okay. procrastinators like me. I procrastinate a lot. So How to Eat Your Frog talks about... A very, very good skill called the 80-20 method. So students usually or people do 80% of the work that has 20% value. Mm. But instead you should do 20% of the work that has 80% of the value. (laughs) So what that means is that, uh, in fact, if you ever want to read about it, there's something called the Eisenhower matrix also. So uh, you can categorize your work based on priority, things Mm -hmm. that need to be done now, Mm -hmm. things that need to be done later. And how important is this work right now? So based on that, categorize your work and perform whatever has 80% of the value. So that's what I use to like sort of get me hmm. through everything everything's been fine but importantly please don't get overworked hmm. i had to learn it the very tough way to take time out for my own self my own health so that's how okay, okay. apart from that since i've been following you on instagram <laughs> i've seen that you are dedicated towards fitness and all those things and as medical students we find very less time 
to dedicate to fitness or like to play or to go to the gym so what is your idea or thoughts about how important it is for medical students to stay fit and at the same time manage their time studying and doing all this it's the ultimate irony isn't it it's like <laughs> we study we work hard to keep our patients fit yeah. and then we lose our health yes. you know lack of sleep okay nights where there have been days in the first year where i would survive on just red bull literally i could hear my heartbeat because i was i didn't have one single a grain of food in my body but i drank like around four cans of red bull please do not do that please do not but fitness is really really important if you want to be a good doctor you have to keep yourself fit hmm. you know do you know the kind of energy it takes to give 2 minutes of cpr without making it look like you need cpr yourself if you want to be a good doctor this is my message to like every student take care of your health hmm. it's not it's not cute or it's not funny to say no i cannot think about my health i have to think about my patients if you want to think of think about your patients health think about yourself also okay. because you have 30 36 hour duties you hmm. have to be on your feet you're running hmm. around from one corner of the hospital to another okay so um you have to keep your brain uh, completely like prepped and ready because you have to be quick on your feet to do all of this it is very essential for us students to be fit mm-hmm. and try and incorporate some fitness some level of fitness into it's it's a lifestyle it's mm-hmm. not that something i have to like i have to do it's something i get to do mm-hmm. that's your me time if if you're a good dancer or you enjoy dancing you can shut your room and dance for a good 30 minutes if you enjoy swimming go do that but stay on your feet In mm-hmm. fact like a lot of us throughout med school we develop so many diseases i myself have polycystic ovarian syndrome so uh, it is very very important for me to stay active have at least 30 minutes of some form of exercise every single day in fact if you you're really struggling to find the time walk everywhere take the stairs okay and um, you know really really focus on your nutrition mcdonalds is not the way to go <laughs> it is not the way to go i know you can say that you survive on coffee and all but in the long term you will have to take care of your health and better take care of it right now than later on when there's nothing you can do about hmm. it or it's already too late like for example you will read about it later that uh, uncontrolled diabetes it takes 10 years for symptoms to show up Okay. okay and the symptoms are so severe in the yeah. hospital you will see patients that come with diabetic ketoacidosis that's a complication mm. okay hhs all of these are complications like they have they can feel no sensation in their arms and legs why because they had diabetes left it untreated for such a long time no lifestyle modification so really really try and incorporate fitness and that's what i started doing like doesn't matter what it is whether i have uh you know my hospital rotations or an exam uh 5 am i will be at the gym even if it's like a half an hour workout or a two hour workout i will still show up that's wow. all from the start of this podcast whatever you said was just inspirational and at the same time it it just gave me a look at med school in a different angle so i i'm so excited to go through what you went like second year third year fourth year and everything okay so as the closing remarks of this podcast i would like to ask you what is one piece of advice or tip 
major important one that you would give to all medical students who are in first, second, third, and also fourth year of MBBS or MD? What is one piece of tip or advice you would give? Um, there is one thing that I really follow and I feel like everybody should just incorporate it in your mantra. Please stop listening to what other people are saying mm -hmm. and don't compare your progress with somebody else's just because somebody has you know they oh I finished reading 10 chapters mm. and here you are like oh I haven't even started mm. don't compare comparing will kill your progress and also please don't listen to what anybody say there will be in the hospitals itself you're going to meet bullies throughout your med school mm. okay you're you meet like relatives and all no you cannot be a doctor you cannot do this your imp imposter syndrome is so real Shitit. Mm. it is so real there are times where they you know, you yourself are screaming at I'm not meant to do this. Mm. Look at my friend. Look at that boy in my class. He knows the whole pathophysiology <laughs> of dengue. He knows the whole treatment. I can't even do a proper physical examination. That's when, you know, when you feel like you're lacking in all these parts, just remember that if you're not naturally good at it, you can become good at it by discipline. Mm. That's everything. Okay. And just really stop comparing yourself focus on your discipline and you're going to do great great things you will be the best doctor anybody's ever seen wow okay i have to be honest this was a very very good conversation like so. there were times initially when i started doing podcasts like two years back like the mini ones there were times in which i would simply shake my head okay there was a long back that was when i got introduced to podcasting <laughs> But now what you told just captured my attention so well and it was so important and significant. Thank you so much for sharing all this out and especially the story you told what happened in the hospital, Code Blue, that literally gave me goosebumps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Th thank you so much for joining and spending your time here. I've been disturbing you for the past one <laughs> okay, week. It's all right. Thank you. Mush. Thank, thank you, you so for much. giving me the opportunity, Shitaj. I really appreciate it. Thank you.